Hey everyone, and welcome to DarkCast Interviews. I'm your host, Jonathan Miley. DCI is a long-form interview podcast where we talk to game creators about new and upcoming video games, as well as who they are and what they do behind the scenes. In this episode, I talk with Christian Knudsen from Laser Brain Studios about his new game, Hidden Asset, which is a isometric stealth game inspired by the likes of XCOM, Fallout, Commandos, and Hitman. For more information about the game, as well as links to Christian's development diaries on YouTube, check out the links in the show notes to this episode. You can find all of that on DarkStation.com, as well as the original DarkCast and other video game reviews, previews, and features. Be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at DarkStation underscore com, find us on Facebook, check us out on YouTube, and email us at podcast at DarkStation.com. As always, thank you so much for listening. Now on with the show. to the Darkcast, everybody. I'm Jonathan Miley, and we are back with Darkcast interviews with a really cool game that is coming out. Uh, well, it's, it's not coming out. It's Kickstarter is coming out very soon, and joining me today to talk about that is Mr. Christian Knudsen. How are you doing, Christian? I am fine, Jonathan. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, we are, we're talking to people about the video games that they're making, which is, is one of my favorite things to do. Uh, but before we get into the game itself, I always like to get to know uh, the person behind it. So can you tell me a little bit about who you are and uh, and what you do on sure. Hidden Asset? Sure. Uh, well, I'm 40 years old and I live in Denmark with my wife and son. And uh, I pretty much do everything on Hidden Asset. Uh, I'm a one-man uh, studio, so I do the design and programming and like uh, 95% of the artwork uh, and the marketing and <laughs> and the laundry and the vacuuming and <laughs> pretty much everything. The CEO uh, and the janitor. It's <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, I can fire myself. <laughs> uh, but but that's like a, more or less a hobby for me. It's, it's not my full-time job. Um, I work as a freelance translator uh, in my day job mm-hmm. and and then try to squeeze in as much uh, game development as I can in my, my spare time, which is not always that much, but sure. I try. <laughs> yeah, understandable. Um, so how long have you been uh, making games as a hobby? Uh, probably like 15 years, I think. Hmm. Uh, I started like in high school where I learned programming, uh, they had a minor a computer programming course that was like one hour a week. And that's where I learned uh, Pascal, which I'm still programming in. Um, and I did some programming, made some small games uh, following that for a few years. But then I got into my head that I wanted to work in movies and okay. I wanted to be a screenwriter. Uh, so I attended the uh, European Film College here in Denmark. And uh, I moved to Copenhagen and 
wrote some screenplays and tried to uh, get inside the business. Uh, but well, I got some contacts, but I kind of figured out that, that uh, I didn't want to spend that many years uh, of my life working on something that might not get made. Uh, sure. And that's that's kind of when my mind returned to programming and making games, because okay. when doing that, there's only one guy that stops me from doing it, and that's me. <laughs> <laughs> so so there was like a break there for I don't know four or five years where I didn't do any programming, but then I returned to it in the early 2000s, I think, and, and made some smaller games and made a, a roguelike kind of game, a space roguelike. Uh, that became a minor success, got a small following and formed a small community around it. Mm -hmm. um, and then I wanted to make a graphical version of that actually, uh, which then sort of transformed into Hidden Asset. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's been a, a long journey getting to where I am now. <laughs> sure. And I think uh, Hidden Asset itself, I worked on for like seven or eight years in my spare time. Wow, that's uh, that's some commitment right there. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if it's foolish or just the uh, yeah commitment, passion, or whatever it is. <laughs> um, so j just going back to your uh, screenwriting days, did you actually uh, ever get any of your your screenplays uh, optioned or picked up by anybody? No, uh, oh. I, I wrote some uh, short scripts that I made myself and directed myself. Uh, and I, I worked in the feature film screenplays that I got, sub, that I submitted to some production companies here in Denmark and heard back and had some meetings, but nothing never came of it. Okay. Um, and then I, I had an internship at another production company uh, where I also discovered that some of the scripts that were in production there, like two or three years after I had finished my internship, they contacted me uh, about translating some of those scripts. And that, that's kind of when it hit me that, okay, they're still working on these scripts like two or three years after I stopped there. I don't want to be a screenwriter and spend that many years on something like that. That's never going to get made. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's uh, that's a long time. That's yeah. really kind of funny um, just hearing you talk about that. When I got out of college, uh, I, had, I had two job opportunities. One was to be a producer's assistant at a very small television studio. Um, and have like a six month internship with the possibility of, of working there afterwards. Uh, I've, I've or, heard that before. <laughs> yeah. Or, or I could, uh, go into it, which I had, I'd done some work in, um, during college and could get paid like twice as much as I was going to get paid potentially after six months, like yeah. in a week. And I was like, um, well, there are these things called bills. I kind of need to pay them. <laughs> I guess I'm going to do the job that actually pays me. <laughs> yeah, like bills are something that you have to pay. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Also, hence, hence this Kickstarter for Hidden Asset. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, so your formal training is in script writing? Is that? Uh, well, I, I have a master's in uh, film studies. Okay. Uh, so it's not uh, specifically script writing. It's okay. more... Uh, more, uh, more the, yeah, it's more general than that. Uh, but I also did some script writing, writing at, at the film college and did some directing there. Uh, so I, I, I don't have any formal training in script writing, just okay. like watching a lot of movies and reading hundreds and hundreds of screenplays from my favorite writers and directors. Right. Uh, that That's mostly it. So how has, um, 
how do you feel like that's impacted kind of the, the way that you make games? A lot of times, you know, we hear about video games wanting to be very, you know, movie-like. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm not the biggest fan of that idea, but there is kind of a, you know, a nature of storytelling to movies. Do you, do you feel like that's changed the way that you uh, are trying to tell a story or even just approach uh, making a video game like Hidden Asset? It probably has. I think I, I early on set a rule for myself that I wasn't allowed to uh, concern myself too much with the story before I felt that I had the gameplay, not exactly nailed, but at least the the the, the solid foundation for it. Um, so that's probably one thing that it did. Uh, but and it's not exactly like my game is. Uh, really that narrative based there's a story and uh, it's not all that clear in the demo yet but there's a story and i have many ideas for how the stories are going going to evolve and all the twists and turns and involved in that but i really feel like i'm making a game so it has to have solid gameplay uh, and i hope i've nailed that uh, it pro can probably use a bit of polishing here and there still uh, but it's it's not it's not the final game I'm launching. It's just the Kickstarter, so there's still time to, <laughs> to to polish all that stuff. Um, but but yeah, I, can't, I, can't, I think I agree with you about narratives in in uh, in video games. That uh, I want them to be there, but I don't want it to be the focus of the game. Uh -huh. uh, it 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 should complement the gameplay in some way at least, uh, and not just be uh, like a story slapped on top of some. Gameplay that doesn't necessarily fit it, right? Right. That was that was always. I mean, stories in video games have always had issues, but I feel like in the early to mid two thousands, once video games were becoming this very potentially profitable uh, thing, we started seeing all these like Hollywood names thrown onto us, like story by this person, mm. and you could just tell that like they wrote the story in isolation. And then it was kind of literally slapped onto the game. And you're just like, this, these don't go together. This, maybe you should, I, I don't know. This this doesn't work. Don't do it this way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And especially when when, when CD-ROMs came and we got all those, uh, uh, um, uh, full, what are, FMV, uh, FMV. Yeah, full games. motion videos. Yeah. 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 Let's get some stars and try to make a movie in a game. No, no, no. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> so so no surprise announcement. No, uh, Mark Hamill's not going to be in your, your video game? Or... <laughs> hey, man, if he wants to be, he's welcome. <laughs> awesome. But, yeah. <laughs> I, I think Wing Commander is one of my favorite games. Well, actually, the, the Privateer version, the Wing Commander Privateer. Mm -hmm. um, he, he's not in that. I think he was in the later ones. Uh, but yeah, he seems like a cool guy. So uh, he does. He does. I'll take him if you. <laughs> the offer's there, Mark. If yeah. you're listening, <laughs> uh, you can totally be in this video game. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> well, let, let's talk about what um, hidden asset is. Kind of give us the. I know before we started the show, I said this wasn't going to be elevator pitch, but just to kind of start things off, what is uh, I guess the basic elevator pitch for hidden asset? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's a stealth game, and it's in some ways an old-school stealth game. It's from an isometric, uh, top-down, 60-degree, whatever, perspective. Um, but it's real-time, and you're only controlling one guy. 
uh, whereas many of the older games were turn-based and you had a, a party. Um, and you're controlling this average Joe guy whose name just happens to be Joe. Uh, <laughs> and he's living in a world that has been struck by a pretty harsh uh, economic crisis. Uh, so many people are losing their jobs and the government uh, didn't really know what to do about it. So they kind of gave all corporations carte blanche to do whatever they wanted. Like, okay, you fix this, we can't. And that resulted in big corporations uh, starting to hire assassins to take out their competition. Huh. So, you, so you're this guy, Joe, and he has just lost his job and uh, he needs to pay the bills like we talked about earlier. <laughs> so he Neither of us have it. been assassins, though, just to, to make that clear. Hey, you don't uh, know if I've been... Uh, okay, I haven't been an assassin. <laughs> this may be more autobiographical than we were expecting, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> That's a secret. You have to cut that. <laughs> um, well, so anyway, you're this guy, Joe, and, and he decides to, okay, I, I've gonna, I'm going to try to give this uh, hired assassin business uh, a try. Um, so you're just starting out as an assassin when you play uh, the game. Uh, and the demo is the first two missions, like the first is the tutorial mission, which is the very first assassination job he gets sent on. Uh, so you're basically controlling this guy around uh, the level. Uh, the first level is a nightclub and then it gets becomes business offices and so on. And um, it's not really all that action oriented. It's, 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 I'm really trying to focus on the stealth part on it. And uh, so you'll mostly be sneaking around. Uh, you will be attacking some guys and maybe sometimes getting uh, involved in some melee combat. Uh, but mostly you'll be trying to avoid that. Um, so you will be sneaking around and you'll have access to more and more gadgets the further you get into the game. Uh, you, of course, earn money for the missions you complete. Uh, the more stealthy you complete the missions, the more you earn. And then you can use that money to buy more gadgets and more weapons you can use on future missions. Um, so that's basically it. Uh, I've taken an inspiration from a lot of different games. Uh, some of it uh, is from the new XCOM games, uh, especially the, the cover system in that game, this high and low cover. Uh, so you'll be sneaking around from cover to cover to avoid uh, being, being spotted by guards and other mm -hmm. uh, hostiles. Um, but like I said before, it's real time, contrary to XCOM. So it's kind of a, a hybrid between a turn-based uh, and a real-time game in that way, since it's also tile-based. Uh, so you'll have move from one tile that's in cover to another tile that's in cover, um, but also running around and in a panic if you get spotted. Of course, <laughs> as as happens uh, in stealth games. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> uh, is there a, can you lose uh, enemies if you've been caught? Can you escape and kind of, you know, hide in the shadows and have things reset or? Yeah, you can. Uh, okay. You, you can run away from them and just hide and hope that they return to their uh, patrol route that they were on. Um, but there are also gadgets in the levels. For example, there are fire extinguishers that you can uh, activate. So smoke will fill the room and then that will help you to escape. And you also have smoke grenades that you can throw, uh, but they are, they're different from fire extinguishers in that if somebody notices a smoke grenade, they'll react differently to that than 
a fire extinguisher that they probably just think is leaking or whatever. Ah, okay, that makes sense. So, so you can you can uh, get out of a tough situation, but if you get swarmed, it's gonna be pretty hard. You're probably gonna die. <laughs> you're a fragile guy. Okay. Like mm -hmm. one or two shots and you're dead. That's that's pretty fragile. Uh, that's. <laughs> Um, so, uh, you mentioned that the, the kind of basic setup is that there's been an economic crisis, uh, the country went nuts as they tend to do and gave carte blanche to, uh, corporations. So now you're one of the assassins that is, is taking out other corporations. Do you have kind of the, the basic, uh, plot mapped out or are you waiting, uh, to kind of just mm. do that as you, as you create the levels? I, I have it pretty mapped out. Um, okay. you're gonna get involved in some pretty shady business uh, that's mm -hmm. gonna go to high places in the country I don't know I, <laughs> I feel like assassinating uh, other corporations is, is already pretty shady business that, that's true that's true uh, that's, but, but we're getting shadier we're getting okay. even shadier and that, that's like uh, in, in the universe of the game there's going to be a vote re uh, soon about whether or not to continue this uh, Giving of giving companies a carte blanche, and uh, of course, some companies want to uh, make that continue on, and other people don't want it to continue on. So there might be some politicians that are uh, opposed to that continuing on. That uh, those corporations don't want to see hanging around for far all that long. Okay. I don't want to spoil everything. Gotcha. Oh yeah, no, yeah, no, absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, so, so what kind of condition is the the game in now? Uh, if if somebody wants to back your game, like what, where are you at uh, in terms of the the development? Mm. Uh, I'm at what you would probably call alpha now. Uh, I feel like I have the foundation of all the gameplay, or at least the the most basic gameplay uh, done, and I've got. Uh, all the systems for making everything for the game, like system for making cutscenes and the artwork and everything. Uh, so I currently have two missions pretty much completely done. The first two missions, uh, which are also what you will be playing in the demo for the Kickstarter. Um, so I basically have to expand on what I have now and add more missions and the story and cutscenes and uh, weapons and more gadgets and all that stuff. Um, but, but but there's a solid foundation there that I just have to build upon now. Okay. And I, I wanted that done before I, I did the Kickstarter. Uh, I, I could mm -hmm. probably have made a Kickstarter like four or five years ago just with some videos, but I really wanted a, a solid demo done for the Kickstarter. Um, I, f I feel like too many Kickstarters are just selling a dream without uh, giving uh, potential uh, backers a, a real chance for, for trying it out and seeing, okay, is this something for me or is it not? Um, sure. I'd, I'd rather have some, someone not back than, than back and then be really disappointed when they actually try the game. Mm -hmm. Sure, so. absolutely. Uh, so what would you say is kind of the, the core gameplay loop uh, that you're, you're doing like when, you, when you're playing the game? Yeah. Uh, well, you, can set, you get sent on, on these assassination missions uh, and, and then you... You complete them and you return to your home base or whatever it is and buy some new equipment uh, and get a new mission and it sort of evolves. Uh, 
Uh, but I, I kind of wanted it to be a bit more free form. Uh, so you can actually at any point leave a mission area and return to uh, to your home and buy more equipment or, or whatever you want and then return and continue on with the mission. Um, now you live in this uh, pub or this bar. You live on top of the bar. You have a, an apartment there. And your agent is just sitting in the bar and offers you new missions. And in the back room of the bar, you you can buy equipment from some uh, mil shady military dudes who sell off some surplus equipment. Um, I, I kind of wanted to avoid uh, having the player interacting too much with computer screens, you know, like okay. in Hitman and many other stealth games, you get your missions through like an iPad or a computer screen or whatever. Right. Uh, but I wanted it to be more with uh, having the player character interacting with other characters and getting missions for them. Uh, maybe that's the screenwriting background coming in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's kind of been a uh, a staple since I don't know. I mean, the the first Metal Gear Solid, everything was through these you know video chat animated yeah, screens, exactly. And then the um, the classic uh, Tom Clancy games were always you know pictures of where you're going, and I mean it's like you're being given a, a dossier, but you're just staring at. The paperwork you don't actually see the person giving it to yeah, you. exactly so and I, I think one of my first inspirations for, for that was the movie heat uh, okay i haven't watched it in a long time actually but i remember the the guy that got them the missions uh i can't remember who he was played by but i always liked that that low tech feel of it uh mm -hmm. that it's just guys meeting in a shady back room and deciding on more this to to kill some guy or or commit a bank robbery or whatever it is they they do in heat, uh, yeah. so even though you'll have all this fancy equipment available to you in the game, uh, I I wanted the other part to be more like just people talking and uh, exchanging money and missions and stuff like that. Okay, so um, you mentioned that the game is a stealth game, uh, but I feel like they're or a lot of different type of stealth games, like uh, Splinter Cell is based in, you know, light and kind of sound, and so you're wanting to hide in the shadows and be quiet. Mm. Something like Hitman is very social stealth, where you're putting on disguises and you're trying to take out people, um, you know, with rat poison in their drink or whatever. Um, how does the stealth mechanic work in, um, in Hidden Asset? And... I just realized this is a very important question. Can I kill my targets with rat poison in their drink? Uh... <laughs> Not currently in the demo. <laughs> uh, I try to have a few environment things you can interact with, um, but the main kills are currently something you have to do manually, like sneak up okay. behind and slit their throats or shoot them from a distance. Um, so I guess it, it's probably a bit more in the Tom Clancy vein, uh, mm. like that. You can also currently uh, put on costumes uh, and outfits and stuff like that, uh, but that's currently more a limitation of of the of the artwork system I have set up because it's all pre-rendered 3D, 2D sprites. So okay. if I have to make a, a new outfit for for the player character, I have to like make 2,000 sprites or something. <laughs> But that, that, gotcha. that's probably something that will come in the, in the full game. It's just not currently in the demo. Okay. Uh, and there is also a sound mechanic 
there's 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 a tactical view that you can engage with, which helps you see uh, helps you see uh, all the objects you can interact with and all the power lines in the building and stuff like that. And that will also show you uh, the radius of the sound you make when you're walking around or whatever whatever it is you're doing. Um, and you can lower that radius by engaging other sounds in your surroundings. Uh, for example, in an office building, you can activate a copier, a photocopier machine, and that will make enough noise to uh, drown out your footsteps if you're not running, for example. Hmm. So that, there's a bit of a sound mechanic. That definitely okay. is. Uh, I, I tried to play around with light, but it's pretty difficult, I think, to, to get across if you don't have like an eye popping on off, off on the screen showing mm. exactly, okay, now you're in darkness, now you're in light. And I feel that's a bit too binary in a way. Uh, right. And and if, if if that isn't there, then it's a kind of difficult for the player to see, okay, am I in shadow now? Is this a dark enough area? Or is it just my monitor being dark? Or... So I, I, I prefer to uh, to focus on the sound aspect of it. Okay, that's cool. I, I, I can definitely appreciate that because I, early Splinter Cell games, I always loved that you had, you know, this... this um... Uh, meter and so most of the time you weren't in pure light or pure darkness mm. it was always kind of this space in between but as the games progressed and became you know more mainstream for lack of a better word they simplified that mechanic to now you're completely hidden now you're completely not hidden yeah um and I always felt like that was just kind of a, a cop-out because you know that's that's not the way it works in real life or it's, in previous games. That's true. That's not the uh, way it works, but I kind of understand why they did it. Because if you have a, sure. a meter, then it's like, okay, you're halfway down the meter. What does that mean? Does that mean that like there's a 50% chance of a guard seeing you? And is that like a 50% chance every half a second or whatever? So it becomes more, mm-hmm. it, it becomes harder for the player to um, predict what's going to happen, I feel. Right. Um, Whereas in my game, it's like if, if you're not in cover, actually light does play a bit of a part. Is If you're in darkness, it'll take longer for a guard that's seeing you to react to seeing you. Okay. But there, when, a, when a guard sees you, there's like an eyeball. So I actually do have an eyeball. So there's an eyeball <laughs> above the guard's head that will gradually fill. And when that's complete full, he will react to seeing you. And if you're in shadow, then that eyeball will fill slower. But he will see you. Okay. It's just a question of uh, how fast he reacts to uh, seeing you, or like his brain registers. Okay, that's someone over there. I have to <laughs> to check out. Gotcha. So, is is there current is there currently a way besides uh, just kind of looking at the game and seeing you know shadows or, or not? Uh, if you're kind of in shadows, does uh, anything change on the game, or is it just you kind of gauge by whether or not there's a you know overhead light above you? that you're in darkness or shadows. Yeah, it's 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 mostly that, the latter. Okay. Like, okay, if you are in in, in brightness, uh, then the guard will react faster to seeing you. Uh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So uh, you mentioned that, you know, you can buy uh, weapons and gadgets and stuff like that. A lot of those are still to, to come as you, you work on the game. Mm. Uh, but what are some of the options that you have to kind of get through a, a level sure. as far as weapons and gadgets? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think the one I enjoy the most currently is uh, an electric trap. There are scattered around the level. There are these junction boxes where you can switch uh, power lines off and on. 
but if you buy this electro trap, then in a radius of like, I think it's like five or eight tiles from that junction box, you can place this trap on the floor. And then when a guard walks over it, you trigger that trap and then he gets electrocuted. <laughs> and that's, that's pretty, uh, pretty, uh, pretty cool to do, I think. Um, and you can also, is, yeah. I was just going to say, is that a reusable thing? Once I, I shock somebody with that, can I, it is. I take it and put it somewhere else and it is. do the uh, same thing? Okay. But, but once you've triggered it, it takes a time for it to recharge. So you both mm, have okay. to uh, time uh, exactly when you trigger it, because if you trigger it too early, the guard will spot, okay, there's electricity going on on the floor there. I'm going to gotcha. turn around and not step on that tile. Uh, <laughs> But you can go go over and retrieve it and then use it again uh, somewhere else. But but the limitation is that it's it can only be used uh, within a, a small radius of one of these uh, power line junction boxes uh, in a level. So you have to spot okay, there's one over there and there's one over there, and this guard is patrolling this route. Can I? Is he going to cross a, uh, go across a, a tile that I can electrocute? So you have to kind of scout out your surroundings before you lay down your traps. Um, gotcha. Uh, another gadget that I kind of like is uh, I, I think I call them miniature hydraulics in the game, and you can attach them to a door, and then from a distance you can like smack open the door really hard with these uh, hydraulics. <laughs> so if <laughs> if a guard walks by or is about to end or whatever, you can smack him and kill him that way. <laughs> <laughs> Unless if he's if, actually if he's if he's wearing a helmet then it will just destroy the helmet. But if he's not wearing a helmet, then <laughs> it will actually kill him. <laughs> oh, that's that's fantastic. Uh, that's That kind of reminds me of um, Hotline Miami, except, you know, you're uh, doing it remotely instead of just busting through a door to oh, yeah. somebody yeah, yeah. over and kill them. I, th- uh, I, think, can you... I think my inspiration was from, uh, uh, what's it called, uh, Gunpoint, another indie game. Okay. Where you can yeah, also yeah. Uh, smack open doors and uh, <laughs> yeah, you uh, you uh, that was the one where you could fling yourself through windows and stuff. Exactly, right? exactly. Yeah, that was pretty cool. <laughs> uh, that was that was a cool game. Um, that's that's pretty funny. I think one of the uh, three, can... one of the things I'm trying to achieve with with the gadgets is that uh, your your character is really fragile, but I want you to have these powerful gadgets that you can sneak around and place and then from a distance or from a hiding spot uh, trigger them. To, so, so to have this kind of uh, interesting balance between, between being really fragile as a character but also having these powerful gadgets and weapons to your, at your disposal, I think that's a really interesting dichotomy uh, mm-hmm. in, in, in gameplay. Uh, I think that's something that the... I think in particular the, the Batman Arkham games really uh, did successfully is, is having mm-hmm. a kind of fragile superhero character in Batman that also can be taken down in not that many shots, uh, yeah. but, but also having this really powerful arsenal at your disposal. I think that's, that's really something I enjoy personally in games. Absolutely. Uh, my, my only uh, issue I really ever had with the Batman series is that every now and then it would just kind of dawn on me. It's like, why is it taking 12 punches to, to knock out <laughs> this like one henchman when it takes four to knock me out? I'm, I'm freaking Batman. Yeah, that's true. This guy should not be stronger than me. <laughs> and you were wearing Kevlar and a mask and everything. So yeah. <laughs> right. And he's like shirtless in like jumper pants, like his, you know, his prison uniform. Yeah. But he has an iron uh, like, rod yeah. that makes him like <laughs> really powerful for some strange reason. <laughs> right. Um, 
So if you get into a, a scrap, if you if you get found out and you can't sneak away and you've got a fight, mm. uh, what kind of tools do you have uh, for that? We have like regular weapons, knives, and uh, and uh, stun batons and stuff like that. Um, and I have like a, a melee system that's that it's it's probably a bit too complicated right now. At least that's some of, of the feedback I've been getting from players. Even though it's this is like the third or fourth iteration of of the melee system, but it's like you you can block and attack, and then it's either high or low, like with your arms or with your legs. Uh, so when a character attacks you, you have to like react to his attack and then block him either high or low, and then he'll be stunned, and then you can can strike back at him. So that's a bit of a, a, a melee a close combat system there. Um, okay. And then you can also shoot, of course. Uh, actually, if if you do a, a low attack, melee attack on a character, then you'll kick him away, and then you'll have distance, and then you can shoot him. So you ah, can kind okay. of string uh, some attacks together. Um, but I'm not sure it, it's, it works all that well currently. Now it has to be polished a bit more, at least a better tutorial for it. Um, okay. But I, I think the system is there. I'm just not teaching it probably to, to the player. Gotcha. Well, a combat system is, is better than no combat system. There was, um... oh God, what was it? Rogue Ops. Now I'm gonna to have to look this up in the middle of the interview. Um, <laughs> I think it was Rogue Ops. It was or something along those lines. Uh, you played as like this female uh, thief, and you could like take people out from behind. Um, but if you got into combat, your only option was to try to escape. Uh. Um, and like there was no, you couldn't punch them. You couldn't. I think you had like a sleep dart. So if you could like get away, you could then, uh, you know, shoot them from afar. But basically, if you botched like knocking somebody out, or somebody saw you and ran up to you, and you couldn't get far enough away to shoot them, because it was one of those things where if they're attacking you, then it constantly throws you out of your like being able to shoot them animation. Yeah. Uh, and it was always just super, super frustrating. Yeah. It also it, it wasn't a, a very good game. Okay. I don't recommend people. Might, might as well just have back. like a, a, a mission <laughs> law screened in if you get caught instead of basically because yeah. you essentially just had to restart from a checkpoint. Yeah, if exactly. That happened. Okay. Uh, so you just did it manually. Yeah. But um, <laughs> oh man, that's wow! That game came out in two thousand three. Wow, that's reaching back. Oh, wow, okay. Bit. And what was it? Rogue Ops. Rogue Ops. Yep. Uh, by Bits Studios, uh, and published by Kimco. Uh, None of that rings above me. <laughs> I, yeah, I uh, apparently they're uh, looks like they're still in business. Uh, no, they closed in two thousand seven. Never mind. Oh, okay. Uh, I was, okay. I was just about I was... to say good, say good for them. <laughs> yeah. I guess not. No, no, they they made the transition to some. Mobile games, and I guess that's uh, what they made for a little while. It's I, I don't know. Anyway, that's not what this show is about. Uh, that is just me being me. Um, so you've been working on the game for eight years now. Uh, part of that is due to you creating the, your own engine for the game. Yeah. Uh, why did you go that route as opposed to... Uh, licensing one or, or you know using somebody else's engine. That's a really good question. 
(laughs) (laughs) No, I think the thing is that uh, when I started this game, it was going to be a graphical version of the roguelike I had made. Uh, Mm. And I thought I was going to reuse a whole bunch of code from that. Uh, And I think I've ended up reusing practically nothing of it. Um, (laughs) So so that's that's one thing. Uh, The other thing is that I only know Pascal as a programming language. uh, And I don't think there are that many really good engines that use Pascal. Um, So that's another reason. And I think the third reason is that back when I started it, there wasn't actually all that many uh, like indie level game engines available for, for you to use. It was all like the big engines. I'm not sure when Unity actually first launched, if that even existed back then when I started. It probably did, but probably at an early stage. And still, even if if I had chosen that, then I would have to learn a brand new programming language for that. Uh, right. So I just went with what I know, actually. <laughs> And it, okay. it, it kind of just snowballed from there. Like I, I, I really didn't imagine the game to be what it is now back when I started. Like I had I had never done any graphic work before, so I pictured it was going to be like really low-fi uh, pixel art because that would be easier to, for me to make. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just sort of grown uh, during the process. Um, and sure, I, I, I think if, if I started over today, I would probably uh, do it 3D in Unity or something like that. Uh, because even, even though I really like the retro look of, of uh, pre-rendered uh, 3D sprites, it's just a lot of work. Uh, mm. Like all the lighting in the game, I've had to program manually. Okay, how, how is this light going to transition across this sprite when I draw it to the screen and everything? So that and that you get all that for free if you use a, a 3D engine. Uh, then, mm. then lighting is just baked in more or less. So right. I'm not sure it, it's it's I, I made the best choice there, but but like I'm really pleased with the game engine I have now, uh, and I okay. can use that in the future for all the games if I get the chance to to make all the games. So, sure. So I'm, I'm happy where I'm at now. <laughs> okay. Very cool. So just uh, randomly, two bits of information. Uh, Unity uh, first came out actually in 2005, but was uh, exclusive to Mac at that point. Okay. Um, that would me out. <laughs> and uh, so it, it didn't support uh, Android devices as a platform to make games for until version 3, which was 2010. Mm. Uh, and I feel like that point, uh, we still weren't like hearing about it uh, very much. Um, I feel like it was like 2012 or 13 where yeah. it started to become more like a, you could use it for PC, like actual, you know, computer games. Yeah, that feels right like that. because like Unity being around for like 14 years, that doesn't, it seems odd to me, even though it, like it, it has been, but it, it's not something yeah. that's been mentioned for that long. Right. Right. And I feel like, you know, at, at that point, if you were making a game for, you know, consoles or PC, the big thing was, was obviously Unreal. Mm. And then there were other more obscure things like, uh, you know the Crytek engine and, and stuff like that, and then of course people making uh, their own. Uh, but the other thing, I was actually wrong. If anybody was worried that Kimco went out of business, it's actually still in business. They're still making mobile games, uh, but their <laughs> only their Japan office is open. They closed their U.S. office okay. in um, 2007. Well, so good, good to, for the Japanese to, office, then I guess. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, to settle everybody's nerves, that, you know, obviously uh, I made them worry. All the Kimco, um, what was it again? Kimco. All the Kimco K-E-M-C-O. fans out there. Yeah. Yes, yes. 
Um, so, anyway, uh, back to uh, Hidden Assets. Uh, so, as of this recording, uh, your Kickstarter is launching tomorrow, but in you know wonderful internet time, your your Kickstarter is live now. Yes. Uh, so, so first of all, why are you going with Kickstarter? Well, uh, the basic idea is that I want to work on the game full time to finish it and not have it take like another eight or ten years or whatever. Um, uh, and I need to pay the bills. <laughs> Sure. Um, and you don't want to become an assassin. Uh, Understandable. Well, that, that you might don't be want an alternative. Know that you're an assassin. That might be an alternative if, if the Kickstarter isn't <laughs> a success. <laughs> it would be good research as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I, I saved up saved up some money myself, and then with what I'm hoping to uh, to get through the Kickstarter, I would be able to uh, work full time on the game for two or two 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 and a half years. Uh, and that should be enough to to finish it completely uh, when working on it full time. Uh, okay. So it's that, and then it's also uh, paying for for the artwork that goes into the cutscenes. Uh, that that's the art that I don't make myself. Uh, okay. I want that to be like a a comic book feel, uh, mm-hmm. and all all the graphics I make are like uh, pre rendered three D, so that doesn't feel very comicy. So gotcha. I need I need cash for that as well to pay for that. Okay. So, what about the music? Do you make the music yourself, or no? That's actually uh, three music. Uh, it's, okay. it's uh, what it, what's it called? Uh, Creative Commons Attribution License. Mm. So I just uh, credited the guy, uh, and I found uh, he's called Kevin McLeod, uh, and he has a website with I don't know hundreds, hundreds of uh, of, of music music uh, clips uh, and shorter and longer. Uh, and I just, just scoured that completely and found some that I, I think uh, fit the game. And uh, okay. I'm using that for now. I did consider also uh, hiring a, a musician uh, because, well, music is really important. But I also feel like that's that's it has to be a low priority. Uh, mm. I, can't, I can't spend all that much money on that. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, so, what are some of the uh, rewards that uh, people can get if they back the game? They can get into the game if they want to. They can be uh, characters in the game. Uh, the the some of the lower rewards are just having your name used for a character. Uh, could just be a random character walking around, and if you pay a bit more, you can be a guard. Uh, okay. And uh, if you pay even more, you can be when you hack into computer accounts and offices, it, it, it could be your account, it could be a small photo of you uh, in the comic book style and, mm-hmm. and your name. And you can also, if you want to, you can offer suggestions for an email that this uh, computer account has uh, received. Um, and at the very uh, top levels, you can actually be an assassination target. Uh, both, both your likeness and your name will be used for, for a target uh, that you have to assassinate in the game. And you could also be uh, one of the guys sitting in the bar in the game, where the bar that the main character lives above. Uh, okay. And then there are also some physical rewards. There are uh, USB keys with the game on it and mouse pads and all that stuff. Uh, and you can also get a reward that is kind of a combination of the physical and the digital in that it will be an like this uh, executive gold card 
with your name and your unique number on it, and then you can use that number in the game to get access to uh, to areas in the game that you wouldn't otherwise have access to. You can actually get access to it in the game, but then you, you have to uh, buy a card in the game for the cash you've earned, and also you, in order to even be offered that card, you have to uh, accomplish all your missions with uh, a 100%, 100% uh, stealth rating. So, mm. so it's something you can acquire in the game, but it's just hard. And But if you support the Kickstarter at that bagger level, then you will get a physical card with your unique number on it, and then you can punch that number into places in the game and get access to like these executive level suites or whatever it is. So Okay. Are, are those types of things going to be, are they going to make the game easier? Is it going to give you special items or is it just a, a cool area where you can uh, just have more, um, I don't know, opportunities uh, in the, the level to do stuff? I, yeah, I'm thinking of the latter. I, I don't want okay. to uh, rule out some players just because they didn't support the Kickstarter at a certain sure. level. Uh, so it'll be perhaps a, a different alternative route uh, through a level uh, that you wouldn't otherwise have access to uh, that easily, at least. And there might even be some computer terminals with some funny emails or some uh, some information that, that you can gather and then sell later on. That That's also a game mechanic I, I don't think I've mentioned, is that when you're, sure. when you're sneaking around uh, these offices and stuff, you can uh, acquire what I call uh, company intel, and you can then sell that to your information broker for cash. And that could be like just a, a folder with some company papers, papers hidden in a drawer, or, they, or it could be an email on a computer that you hacked into. So, so that's like an extra, uh, uh, an extra way to get character players to enjoy sneaking around because it's just not, it's not only about avoiding guards and kill characters. It's also about collecting this intel. And there might even be missions where you don't have to kill anyone. You just have to sneak in and get some intel and then sneak back out. Okay. Um, so there might also be some extra intel uh, for you to get in these uh, executive level areas that you can get access to. Very cool. Very cool. Now, um, you mentioned something uh, kind of talking about this uh, that I meant to ask about earlier. Uh, but you have a stealth rating uh, kind of when you finish the game. And um, from looking at the game and, and playing a little bit of it, uh, if it gets down to zero, then the cops come yes. and all hell breaks loose. <laughs> Correct. Uh, but how is that stealth rating kind of calculated? If you kill people, does it go down? If you get spotted, does it go down? Can you bring it back up? How does how does all that work? Yeah, it's it's uh, if you get spotted by people that aren't, aren't just tagged as civilian, uh when you're in an office building, for example, uh, all the characters will have like a CEO or manager or something like that. And if they're not called civilian, then they will react to uh, seeing you and then you will lose stealth. But but okay. also like uh, characters spotting a dead body uh, or hearing a gunshot, um, all the things that are hopefully, uh, hopefully make sense on an intuitive level that that's something you're going to lose stealth if, if you do. Uh, but it could also be that there's, in the second mission, you have to talk to a receptionist and as soon as you're into the building. And if you say the wrong thing to her or press her too hard, then she'll react to that and you'll lose stealth because you'll grow suspicious of you. So, so there's like, uh, there's more or less hard-coded. Everything that uh, an NPC can react to will result in a specific amount of uh, stealth loss 
will like one or two random points applied to that. Um, and then that will pull your meter down. And like you said, if that meter gets down to zero, then the police will show up in the scene and it's going to be pretty hard for you to uh, get out. You, you can get out, but it's just going to be harder because then you'll have patri uh, police patrolling the corridors of the office building or, or wherever it is you are. Uh, mm. So, so that, that's kind of the system with that. And then um, when you've completed the mission, if you're like at 50% stealth, then you only get 50% of the maximum mom payout you were going to get if you completed it at a 100% uh, stealth rating. So, so that, that, gotcha. that plays into that. Okay. So uh, did the police behave kind of the same way that the other guards and stuff will that, you know, if you get spotted or, you know, if they show up, do they just know where you are or um, can you lose them? How does, how does that work? They, they will start uh, running or walking around the building uh, much more randomly than the usual guards. Yeah. And if they see you, they will attack you immediately. Uh, so they will shoot at you and try to kill you as soon as they spot you. So they are really hard enemies. And uh, gotcha. a lot of them also have uh, like bulletproof vests or helmets on, so you can't always sneak up behind them and kill them just as easily as you can uh, the guards. So I okay. I did consider just having like a mission failed state if your stealth reaches zero, but uh, in a way I kind of feel it feels so artificial to me, uh, and I mm -hmm. kind of wanted to give the player one last chance to to get out <laughs> with their life somewhat intact if, if they're still reaches zero. I, I don't know. I guess people are, are probably going to uh, restart the level anyway, because if you re you're still reaches zero, you're not going to, to get a, a payout for, for that particular mission anyway. So Okay. So completely, you don't get any money whatsoever? Uh, absolutely. Except okay. if, if, for, for if you've uh, gathered some uh, company intel, then you can sell that still. Uh, okay. So, yeah. Um, if you... If you finish a level uh, that you know you're not getting paid for the mission itself, but you get stuff that you can sell, can you can you go back and replay missions, or is it once you finish a mission, it's on to the the next one? Uh, you can replay in the demo, but for the full game, I have a system in mind where you will be able to to replay uh, a level, and I, I've kind of tried to incorporate that into the story in that when you replay a level, you actually, you're the main character going to sleep and having nightmares about the stuff he's done and the, the characters he's killed. So, so when you replay a level, it'll be more or less the same level, but there will be these odd things that maybe sometimes the guards will switch into looking like you just for a brief second, all these weird little nightmare things. <laughs> um, just to give like extra f flavor to the whole replaying a level part. Um, Interesting. Okay. So, I kind of like that. Would you would you still be able to make money from that, or would it just be to replay it for the sake of kind of playing it in that that remix mode? So you you will get extra money, and that's kind of where the realism of it falls apart. <laughs> because <laughs> when you then wake up, then you will have the extra money if you completed the level uh, with a better stealth level than you did before. <laughs> then you'll just have, suddenly have all the money that would be the difference between these two stealth levels. <laughs> Gotcha. And also, if you pick up some some uh, company intel that you didn't pick up on the first uh, run through of the level, then you also suddenly have that in your inventory. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. Uh, so so back to the the whole Kickstarter aspect of it. Uh, the the sad question that I have to ask: 
what happens if this doesn't work out? Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely continue to work on it no matter what. Uh, and then I'll sort of take the data from the Kickstarter and see, okay, how how close was I to the goal? If if I'm like ten or twenty thousand dollars from the goal, can I relaunch and then just have a lower goal and probably have fewer missions in the game or whatever? Uh, the thing is that if if the kit Kickstarter fails, I'll not be able to work on it full time, and then I don't know. I'll be fifty when it finishes. <laughs> if, 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 I, if I even do finish it, then at that point. Uh, so yeah, it, I suppose it is kind of make or break in that way. That if I don't uh, succeed with a Kickstarter and I'm allowed to work on it full time, then I'm not sure when or if it will ever uh, be launched as a full game. I will continue to work on it just because I enjoy that, but. Uh, when it would be finished is this would be completely unknown <laughs> gotcha okay all right well uh i think that does it for my questions about the game itself uh now we like to to end our show with a little thing that we call uh the end game uh it's a it's a terrible way to end the show because the questions start off difficult and and only get more difficult uh but it's great fun for me and usually <laughs> everybody has a good time by the end uh, and I can always edit out the silence of, of you thinking. Okay, so, <laughs> Uh First question is pretty pretty simple, uh, and it's who's your favorite character? Uh, it can be hero, sidekick, villain, whatever the case may be, but who is your favorite video game character? Mm. Is that character to play or just character you enjoy as a character? Just, just character that you enjoy. Okay. Um, I think the first one that pops to mind is is uh, Gomez from Fez. Uh, okay. I think I think he added something to the game. He's just this kind of cuddly, optimistic, cute guy, uh, but also had this uh, amazing sense of wonder to what happened to him uh, throughout the game. And I think that kind of rubbed on off on me to also share this wonder that that he he feels, even though he it doesn't really say all that much. And when he does, it's like this cutesy uh, muffled sounds or whatever it was. Uh, mm -hmm. I think I really enjoyed him as a character. Um, okay. And I, I think I also mentioned before that one of the things in, in Batman Arkham series that I enjoyed was playing this uh, powerful but also fragile character. So I think mm -hmm. I enjoy playing as Batman more than I enjoy him just as a character, if that makes sense. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, so if you could experience any game uh, over again for the first time, uh, whether you know it's just something that you love and you had a great first impression, but you know you can never you can never see that game the same way again. Mm. Uh, but if you could actually do that, and it's not it's not hampered by age or anything like that, it's not um, you don't have to worry about that. But if you could just re-experience a game again for the first time, what do you think it would be? Mm. Well, my two favorite games are the original XCOM and Wing Commander Privateer. So uh, I suppose it would have to be one of those. <laughs> okay. Just just being back in that feeling of being young and being completely uh, absorbed and engaged in this game for like a whole summer, more or less, I think it was. Um, but I guess there's also the aspect of if you can experience it like for the first time. I'm thinking if there's any games that had like interesting twists or something you would like to experience again for the first time. Mm -hmm. I can't think of any offhand. 
No, I, I think okay. I think I go with with the original XCOM and and Wing Commander Privateer. Okay. So kind of changing that a little bit, um, is there any game that you would like to give a second chance that maybe, you know, there was something that you admired about it, um, but it just didn't, just didn't hit you the right way mm. and you would like to be able to kind of give, or maybe you played it at just a bad point in your life or something like that, but something that you would just like to, to give another shot. Yeah. I'm thinking Red Dead Redemption. Uh, okay. I really admired that game and the world and uh, exploring the world and living in the world. Uh, but there were just some really frustrating, annoying instances. Uh, one comes to mind where I think you, I don't know if it's like the tutorial for using the lasso or something, but you have to, you're riding on horseback and you have to, to uh, catch these cows or something. But you've got like a, a female sidekick or something riding along with you. Mm-hmm. And I found the controls really frustrating and I couldn't do it. And she just keeps going, come on, do it, come on, do it. Or something like that. Just some, <laughs> some annoying line that just kept repeating. And I was getting more and more infuriated and just wanted to smash the controller in the end. So um, that was kind of a bad experience in an otherwise pretty amazing game, I feel. Uh, but also a very narrative-driven game. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. Maybe I'll give that another that game another chance at some point. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, that's uh, that. Any any time a character like you're expected to do something in a video game, and somebody is just like continually nagging you, yeah. and you're like, I'm trying to. I'm figuring this out. Yeah. Just calm down. It's like... it's like this combination of frustrating controls uh, and an encounter just constantly nagging you and being on your back. That that yeah. was a breaking point for me. Yeah. Which, it's it's funny, because that character, uh, Bonnie McFarlane, is like her That's actual her, character exactly. is not... She's not annoying. She's pretty supportive. Absolutely. But it's just like when the the game side of it you know the programming of it of you know not her personality but that they coded her just to say you know you can do it come on get the cow or whatever the case may be it's like okay just like stop chill (laughs) (laughs) i should probably just take not off the headphones or something and just not Uh, listen to her but like (laughs) i wanted the full experience (laughs) yeah yep 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 uh, okay, so what is uh, a good trend in video games uh, currently that you like and would want to see more of? Mm, good trend. Uh, I'm not sure of like a really recent trend or anything that's particularly popular right now, but I like when games try to um, incorporate the gameplay into the narrative pretty directly uh, mm-hmm. and I think one of the first examples I can think of uh, is Bioshock that that big reveal towards the end with the whole uh, uh, would you kindly thing the, the, mm-hmm. the brainwashing the way that that narrative twist completely mirrored the experience that the player has had by um, by listening to this character Atlas or whatever he's called uh, over the radio and just doing whatever he tells you I thought that was pretty, pretty brilliant. I'm not, I'm not sure if it added all that much to the gameplay or the, or the game in general, but I just, I just like that idea of, of uh, merging the, the gameplay and the narrative. Um, 
also infest that, that, that actually also does that with, with the whole uh, 2D, uh, 3D uh, thing where, mm -hmm. uh, where the main character gets this, yeah, this fest, this hat, and that allows him to see the third, third dimension in, in, in his world. And suddenly the player can rotate the map. And, and this whole thing about like there being a 2D world and a 3D world, how that reflects the gameplay in the narrative. I think that's, I really like that when, when games do that. Sure. And I think that's also really what games can do uh, as opposed to movies where there's just a narrative. And also uh, what we talked about earlier, that's often the narrative is just slapped on top of the gameplay. Uh, but like incorporating, really incorporating the gameplay with the narrative, that's, that's something I would like to see a lot more of. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, anytime I hear somebody say that they want to see like a, a Bioshock movie, yeah. I'm like, no, that like that goes completely against like that. The twist only works when you as a player have been conditioned to follow exactly the directions of, you know, the person in your headset. And so when you go, oh, wow, I've been culpable in this 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 whole time. That's amazing. Yeah. Like that, that twist doesn't work if you just find out that the main character has been, you know, hypnotized to do everything that someone says when they say would you kindly yeah like it just it would be such falls a, apart. a downer and a bad twist in the movie right. like it wouldn't work at all that's okay it's like the the the, the really bad oh but it was all just a dream twist it's it's on that right. level <laughs> right absolutely absolutely so what on the the reverse side of that what is a a trope in video games uh, that you wish you could see less of or would go away. And you can't say just slapping narratives onto things because we've already covered that. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> um, well, the obvious is like all the microtransactions and monetization of, yeah. of games. Um, but I think that's that's going to uh, die out naturally when players get... Well, it's I think it's already something that's, that's uh, turning around because players have grown tired of it. Um, I think more in general, I would like, um, I would like for for especially AAA games to not focus that much on graphics. It's like we get mm. these more and more powerful machines, and what do most AAA games do? With it? They just make uh, more beautiful and detailed graphics and bigger worlds. Um, I would like to. I'm not sure what it would be, but using all that CPU power uh, for something else. Um, I think an example would be, uh, what's it called? Uh, Shadows of Mordor, uh, mm -hmm. that whole, uh, what was it called? Nemesis system. I think it was. Nemesis, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if that is something that required a lot of CPU power, but I just remember that I wanted to buy it on my Xbox, uh, uh 360. And for some reason that system wasn't in that version of the game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm actually not sure why, but I just assumed, okay, it's because the Xbox 360 isn't powerful enough to to uh, to run that entire system. Uh, and if that is the case, then I find that really interesting that they had this entire system that used the power of the PC, <laughs> the, the, the desktop PC, instead of just using all that CPU power or graphics power, whatever it was for, for, for better graphics. Um, I, I understand, of course, why uh, why it is the way it is because it's it's easier to sell a game uh, in a trailer if it has amazing graphics than it is to sell a game based on some amazing revolutionary system that 
players have to experience to for themselves to understand. So it, it makes sense from a marketing and business standpoint, but I just wish it was different. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah, you can you can directly see uh, an upgrading graphics, but you can't uh, or well, you can. It's just much more difficult to show. Um, yeah, visually in a know, trailer, other... like if you have like a thirty-second yeah. trailer, okay, it's just it's just going to be like a money shot after money shot, <laughs> and right. amazing graphics. That's what sells, and that's. I think it's kind of like I would like for for it to have for for what happened to movies versus TV series to happen for games, if that makes any sense. Like for a long time, a TV series was this low budget thing that only failed movie stars ended up in. And then just suddenly with Game of Thrones and Sopranos and all that stuff, it, it became something different that wasn't just about having this uh, huge, huge, huge uh, cinematic blockbuster experience. It was about telling these good stories. And if, if somehow that the same thing could happen to to big games, I'm not sure how exactly, but yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly yeah. if that analogy works, yeah. but <laughs> no, no, that, that makes sense. Absolutely. Um yeah, I mean, I think that's part of the role that indie games play is almost like the the TV to to movies, uh, where you're you don't you don't have to make a game for everybody because you're not spending so much money on making it beautiful and bombastic and all these things, so that everybody literally has to buy it for you to recoup your money. Yeah, um, you know, you can focus on the the smaller details of it. Um, but you know we we've also over the years have kind of lost that that middle ground of video games yeah. uh where we had you know the the double a you know mid tier kind of you know made by bigger studios but still not your your triple a game and hopefully that can kind of come back because we've got you know we've got the really great Netflix series and Amazon series and h b o shows where they're you know more like big movies in a lot of ways, but at the same time, they're these much more elongated stories that you can dive deeper into than just a, a two hour long movie. Um, so hopefully at some point that kind of range of, of video games can, can return. That would definitely be nice. I, I don't know if it's just an issue of, of uh, all the game developers being gobbled up by the big EA and all those uh, uh, companies that have to uh, satisfy their, their uh, stockholders and that's why they only make these big games. I'm not sure why it is. Um, hopefully it will change at some point. Hopefully. Which we're, we're, not, we're not actually changing the universe right, right now. We're just you know saying what we wish would happen. Exactly. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so second to last question. If there is any other profession that you would like to give a shot uh, it can be, you know, as crazy as uh, being a, an astronaut or a Jedi or whatever. Uh, what, <laughs> what is something that, if you like, no holds barred, if you could try profession, what would you like it to be? Well, I did try to be a screenwriter. <laughs> right. So, so you already tried that, so you can't use that. That's oh, cheating. That's... How about a successful <laughs> screenwriter then? <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like that's still a little, yeah. a little cheating. Um. Man, I don't know. Politician sounds so dry on the surface, but I also, I think there's something interesting about um, fighting for something you believe in, in government. Um, mm -hmm. 
and trying to make the world better through that. Uh, but on the other hand, I also suspect that a lot of politicians wanted to make the world a better place before they became politicians and then kind of lost sight of that. Um, Man, that's, yeah. that's a tough one. But yeah, you mentioned astronaut, and I've also been really like <laughs> obsessed with uh, the universe and astrophysics and all that stuff when I when I was a kid, and like, and 2001 the movie and all that science fiction stuff. So maybe just yeah, trying to be an astronaut if if that wouldn't actually be really disappointing to me <laughs> because I have all these sci-fi <laughs> stories in mind instead. <laughs> So, yeah. so maybe it's just a day job like any other when you when you get down to it. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure actually. Okay, that's a tough question. Kind of kind it of is. tougher than you think. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, absolutely. All right. So uh, final question: uh, At the end of your life, you get to the gates of the Mushroom Kingdom, and you find out you know the afterlife is, of course, the Mushroom Kingdom, not heaven, as we were previously told. And Toad is there at the gates uh, before, you know, to, to let you in. What would you like him to say to you before you enter into the afterlife? All right, that's a tough one. I've, I've been a PC player, so I'm not, I'm not <laughs> into the Mario world. But who's Toad exactly? <laughs> to- okay, so Toad is, is the the guy that says the princess is in another castle. Oh, okay. Um, Bowser then. Uh, so yeah, Bowser's the guy that that kidnaps. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, right. Okay, Princess Bowser's Peach. the guy that kidnaps and Toad um, is the one that tells you where she is. Yeah. yeah okay. So okay, so so here we go. Uh, you get to the gates of City Seventeen, and Gordon Freeman is there. What do you want him to say to you? Uh, I I think I'd be shocked by pretty much anything he said because isn't he a completely <laughs> silent the protagonist? <laughs> Yeah, that fell apart as as I was trying to come up with uh, a PC relevant uh, character. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. Gordon Freeman. Yeah, um, I have no idea. <laughs> I'm completely drawing a blank on that. If if he has to say something, I would probably ask him when Half Life Three is going to come out because if anybody would know, he would. <laughs> and I would be so popular popular if I knew the answer to that. So that's that's true. <laughs> that is true alright well that does it for uh, our questions uh, about the game and the, the end game uh, which I just realized is the name of the new Avengers movie and we've been using that for Ooh. a long time Uh-oh. so they should, be, they should right. be paying us money <laughs> um, of course I haven't written in two words it's end space game so I guess that, that changes everything okay you're, you're in the clear though. <laughs> But um, so to send us out, if you could let our listeners know where they can go uh, to find out and actually play uh, Hidden Asset. Sure. Uh, Laserbrainstudios.com. And that's laser with an S. (laughs) Uh, Either that or just laserbrain.com. That will also redirect to uh, to the the, the front page. Uh, And the Kickstarter I don't know the URL currently because that isn't uh, generated until I launched the Kickstarter, but laserbrainstudios.com slash kick, that will redirect to the Kickstarter when it launches. Okay. So, yep. Excellent. All right. Well, good luck with the uh, the Kickstarter as that gets going Thanks and so much. with the rest of development on hidden assets. 
uh, hopefully in a couple of years we can sit down and talk about whatever your next game is after this has become a, a huge success. That would be so great. <laughs> and thank you for having me on. Thank you.